Well, g'day everybody. I'm Sam. And I'm Mike. And we are the Extras. Welcome to episode 6, Return of the Questions. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yeah. Star Wars. Thank yeah, you. yeah, yeah. Thank um, you. Uh, yeah, Mike, uh, we had a big night Sunday night. Um, thank you for serving us. Um, and uh, we were talking about uh, Proverbs chapter 8 on Sunday. It was a, it was a really good night at church, actually. Um, and uh, we got some questions to do today because um, that's what we do here on the extras we we take the questions that you guys have uh texted in during um our service on sunday night and we answer some of them live on sundays and other ones that we don't get to we follow up here uh tuesday lunchtime and uh, see if we can uh, unpick them uh, unpack them for you um but mike can you give us a bit of a reminder just to get us up to speed where were we sunday night yeah so the big idea of sunday night was god wants us to find him and his wisdom. And the way he's done that is by weaving wisdom into the fabric of creation. We can find wisdom everywhere. Um, He's done that in Proverbs 8 by personifying wisdom for us so that we can kind of more easily uh, embrace her. And then he's done it ultimately by uh, wisdom, in a sense, becoming a person in the person of Jesus Christ. And so we can see wisdom so clearly as we read scripture and as we come face to face with the Lord Jesus. Nice. Um, so on that issue, you mentioned the personification of wisdom. Um, yeah. that, that kind of leads us into our first question um, for today. Um, someone has texted in, um, given the personification, it feels a little bit like using that tool, it seems to um, sort of separate wisdom from God himself. Um, and the question that comes... Could you please elaborate more upon how God and this lady wisdom interrelate? Is this a secret fourth wheel to the Trinity? Yeah, really cool question because what this question tells me is that they've got this lovely picture of wisdom as a person in their mind from Proverbs chapter 8. And so that's great because I think that means they've understood Proverbs 8. Um, We should picture wisdom as this kind of separate entity. Um, However, we don't want to push that too far because what we've got to understand is this is a literary device um, consistent with the genre of Proverbs. Um, Now, that's a bit techo, isn't it? So, um, Proverbs is a particular genre, a particular type of writing that's often poetic and and, and part of uh, of the way that it seeks to kind of... um, uh, stimulate us and uh, help us to think more about wisdom as it's used this this uh, this literary device called personification. And so this person has got that picture, which is wonderful. But we don't want to push it too far. Um, if we understand the genre well, we're not going to kind of say, well, this is exactly literal, um, literally what wisdom is, a, a person. Um, and so it's taking it too far to say that this lady wisdom is actually a person separate to God and a a kind of a fourth member of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit and and God the Wisdom. I think that's just not quite understanding the genre right and just pushing it a little bit too far. Yeah, that's really helpful. And it's helpful to think about genre just as an idea as we read our Bibles um, because it really is something that we need to wrestle with whichever part of the Bible that we're that we're working on, isn't it? Here in um, in Proverbs, we're in the genre of wisdom, and that kind of has all kinds of poetry, and therefore um, kind of poetic uh, devices like personification and simile and metaphor yes. and those kind of yes. things are, yes. are part of the wisdom literature. But then we shift gears, and there's uh, or shift Bible books, if you like. There's, 
there's other types of genre out there. And we've got to be clued into that as readers of the Bible that um, although all of it is the Word of God and all of it is inspired by God, it does come in different types of literature. So, so important, Sam. That's exactly right. So as we get to the New Testament and you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, uh, that is not just poetry. That's not just... It's a historical, it's narrative, it's biography. Um, and so we have to read the Gospels quite different to the way we read Proverbs. And then in a few weeks' time, God willing, we're going to get to Revelation. Uh, and that's another genre altogether. That's kind of apocalyptic, prophetic writing. Um, and so we have to read that differently. So that's right. As you read through the Bible, you've got to be really clear in terms of what genre am I reading. Um, and because that's going to help you to know how to understand it best and how to apply it the best. And often the, the book of the Bible itself gives you the clues, not just in the way it's written, but even up front, you know, like you read Luke's gospel and um, very clear that Luke is, is, is writing an account, an orderly account yeah. of the things that have happened. An eyewitness to his, account. Even. An eyewitness account yeah. to Theophilus and Acts sort of follows in that same vein. Yep. Uh, whereas John tells you up front in Revelation chapter 1 that he was kind of in the spirit and uh, he it. had a revelation. He got to see things and, and there's lots of picture imagery there yep. that then flows through the rest of that revelation, uh, which then shapes the way that we as readers of the text handle that part of the word and, and we handle it according to its genre and that's kind of like here in, in Proverbs isn't it? Absolutely so if, if you are a Bible reader and I hope you are um, and you're not sure about genre uh, how this works uh, it'd be great to perhaps talk to your growth group leader or someone else an older Christian to perhaps just kind of help you to what, what are the clues what should I be looking for as I'm reading the Bible to help me to understand what genre it is because it's actually very very important. Mm, nice okay um, second question sort of follows in that vein um someone's heard uh this image of uh of wisdom here in uh, in chapter eight and then picked up on the fact that in eight verse 22 um it talks about the idea of wisdom being created and so eight twenty two says uh, the lord made me that's wisdom at the beginning of his creation before his works of long ago um, and then it, it, the question follows on to say, well, then you also noted, Mike, in 1 Corinthians 8. I think that's actually 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians uh, 1, yeah. sorry, okay. Um, uh, that, uh, that wisdom is Jesus. Mm. Uh, does that mean, therefore, uh, if, if wisdom is created and wisdom is Jesus, does that mean... Jesus is created. Jesus yeah, was created, yeah, and yeah, therefore right. the question finishes with, are the JWs right? <laughs> I can see how someone got there. Um, JWs, what, yeah. Yep, so uh, very quickly, if you, if you don't know much about Jehovah's Witnesses, is there some noise going on out, out here? <laughs> yeah, 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 keep going, keep this going. Is, this is uh, recording live on the building site, so <laughs> it's in, all happening. enjoy that. Um, it's the second swimming pool going in there. <laughs> <laughs> you get it just on the side here. We're doing another drone video uh, this Sunday night, ready to uh, fly you through. We're actually Sunday across the parish, and so um, yeah, be at church this week and uh, and catch some some images of what's happening. I'm loving those drone videos, Sam. They yeah. are awesome. Yeah, looking yeah, looking forward to it. Anyway, back to the question. Wisdom, uh, yes. Wisdom and Jesus. So the the JWs, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. One of their um, doctrinal differences from kind of mainline Christianity is that um, they hold that although Jesus has some godlike characteristics, he, he may even be divine, he is not uh, equal with God the Father and not of the same order of divine being as uh, God the Father. And they, they argue that out of 
John chapter 1 and um, where, where it says, you know, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and then our versions of the Bible say the Word was God. Um, they argue that that should actually read the Word was a God. And um, the Word here refers to... The Word being Jesus. Uh, okay, right. And so, you know, Jesus might have been with God at the beginning of creation, but he was just a God and he was created by God. Um, and then actually Proverbs 8, uh, they, they actually they like that text because it, it, they pick up on this whole wisdom personified. Jesus is, is the wisdom of God. And see, just like um, wisdom was created as the first thing, um, so was Jesus created as the first thing. Um, and then he then helped God create the rest of it. Does that make And so are they right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see how you could land at that position. But again, I think it all comes back to genre. So we can't take Proverbs chapter 8 and talking about wisdom as something created in the same vein as we take the New Testament and what it says about Jesus. So again, if we go back to Proverbs 8, um, this is a literary device. Uh, Wisdom uh, was created um, means that actually God used wisdom as the foundation of his creation. Uh, He didn't actually create a person called wisdom. Um, Again, literary device, this is all talking about, and again, read it back in context of Proverbs chapter 8, that wisdom was the foundation on which Jesus built the world. And that's why wisdom is interwoven into everything we see in creation. But you jump to the New Testament, and what it says about Jesus is quite different. Um, Jesus is God, eternal God, was always, um, has always been. And uh, John chapter 1 verse 3 uh, is quite helpful there. Um, Sam, you mentioned John chapter 1 verse 1. But if you read into John chapter 1 verse 3, uh, it says, Through him, that's Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Now, that obviously implies that Jesus isn't made himself. He isn't part of creation. He is the creator. Mm. And you read around the rest of the New Testament and even kind of Colossians chapter 1, it makes it crystal clear that Jesus is eternal, Mm. that Jesus was around before the beginning of the world. He was there. He actually was there creating the world and even that the world was created for him. So Mm. the world was created by Jesus and for Jesus. And so I think that's why the JWs aren't right on this point. Um, mm. Jesus isn't just a kind of a fulfillment of Proverbs 8 of wisdom. Um, Jesus is far, in different category because mm. we're talking different genres. I mean, yeah, you're right. John 1 verse 3 makes it logically impossible that Jesus could have been a created thing because nothing was created without him. So if, if, if he, he'd then be the exception to that, there was yeah. something that was created without him being him and that... But, yeah. makes it logically impossible. Um, yeah, that, that's helpful. And I mean, similarly, I think even in Proverbs 8.22, um, there's some footnotes around the word made there, and you, you look at it, it, it's sort of leaning on the idea of, of God possessing wisdom, um, begetting wisdom, that kind of almost leaning on that part of his character as he makes it is, is sort of the idea there, rather than forming something that never existed before. Is that is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. I, and that's nice. Like, what did you say? The nature of God? Yeah. Wisdom is part of God's essence, his character, his nature. Right. And that's what he used. That's what he lent on to, to, to uh, create the world. Mm. Yeah, very helpful. Okay. Um, we've got two more questions to tackle today, Mike. Um, uh, this one is, is just interrogating, I think, your opening illustration, opening and closing illustration um, on Sunday 
uh, you used uh, a lovely little image of hide and seek in your talk um, and sort of noting the difference between playing hide and seek with a little kid who wants to be found yep. and playing hide and seek with a, with a bigger kid um, who, who doesn't want to be found. And, and you posed the question to us, well, which one is God more like? Does he want to be found or does he not want to be found? Um, and, and you made the point that God is more like the little kid um, who wants to be found, so, so reach out and find him. Mm. Um, and someone's asked the question, well, if, if God is more like a little child playing hide and seek and so is comparatively easy to find, why do so many people then not find him? It's a great and a very sad question. <laughs> sad in the sense of it's right. Um, a lot of people don't find God and that's... That's heartbreaking. That should be heartbreaking for, for all us Christians uh, who know the love of Jesus. Um, the fact that so many fail to find God isn't um, God's fault. Um, it isn't because God's playing hard, hard to get. Uh, it's because we're sinful. Mm. Uh, we, uh, we fail to know how good God is and so we fail to even get in the game of hide and seek we, we, we just don't want to play it mm. um, and so Romans chapter 3 um, you know there's no one righteous not even one no one who understands no one who seeks God mm. um, all have turned away uh, become worthless uh, no one does good not even one mm. so the problem isn't that God can't be found the problem is in our sin we don't seek God mm. um, and so that's heartbreaking, And but for the grace of God go I. Mm. Um, Romans 1 takes that idea even a step further as saying, um, not only is, is the truth about God plain and evident, but actually um, in our wickedness we actually suppress the truth of uh, Romans one eighteen. So not only do we not look, we actively don't want to <laughs> find him, if that makes sense. He's there to be found. Um, which is interesting, uh, just thinking on the spot here, um, uh, Acts 17, when, when um, Paul is, is preaching in... Uh, in Acts 17, uh, to those who are worshipping the unknown God, um, he, he uses, the, he says, God is not far from each one of us, um, uh, and, and he's actually there that we might just reach out and find him. And, and then Paul says, and I'm here to tell you exactly who he is. Uh, that's very Proverbs 8, isn't it? Um, God is not far from us. He wants us to find him. We've we just got to reach out, but in our sin, we don't. Mm. And so what's the solution? Um, well, uh, the solution is the gospel. Uh, Romans chapter 10 talks about, well, how are they going to seek God? How are they going to know unless someone tells them about Jesus? Mm. And so I love this question because it forces me to think, okay, yep, there's lots of people I know who fail to find God. What am I going to do about it? Mm. Um, I need to be praying um, that the gospel will go out to those who aren't finding God at the moment. Um, and then I think I also need to be actively trying to share the gospel, um, telling them about Jesus, um, telling them about the love and the forgiveness that they need. Mm. Um, and uh, that's what we want to be on about as a church, isn't it? We want to be making disciples. We want um, to share the good news and the love of God so that people can find the God who wants to be found. Yeah, that, that's, so it should break our heart to, to for, and send us out on, on gospel mission, shouldn't it? Um, Absolutely. Which, I mean, just in the life cycle of our church, we've got a, a very exciting opportunity coming up over the next 12 months as we open a new building. Um, I mean, I'm excited about the new building and the construction, and I'm going to share lots of videos with you and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. But, but more than just getting a nice 
building for us. This, this has got to be a, a moment for us to go, well, we've got this facility now. Let's, let's get out there and tell those who, who don't know God that he's not far from them and they've just got to reach out. And we've got the key, which is Jesus and his gospel. And there's, I'm, I'm excited for that part of uh, the next 12 months, not just getting back into a nice, shiny building. Oh, totally. A wonderful opportunity. We want everyone to get on board. Um, mm. This is kind of a once-in-a-generation opportunity that we've got mm. um, with, a, with a new facility to, to reach lots and lots of people with the gospel. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we, we hope you're going to join with us on that front. Last one for today, Mike. Um, back to Proverbs chapter 8. And um, as wisdom is speaking... Um, wisdom says in verse 13 to fear the Lord is to hate evil uh, I hate pride and arrogance evil behaviour and evil speech uh, uh, if, if wisdom hates evil and if we I take it out of uh, hate evil is, is the question how much should Christians then speak up uh, on various social issues hmm. well if we are to hate evil as we're told to do in Proverbs uh, the first thing to do is to hate it yourself and what that means is um, avoid evil like the plague um, to mm. not act not think evil to not speak evil to not be evil um, that's that's the first step uh, that's the first way we hate evil um, and so the call there really is to personal godliness to holiness to repentance to change to transformation that Christ would be formed in us um, but then the question does ask well how much should we speak up on various social issues mm. um, and I think there is a place for that um, my mind went to Ephesians chapter 5 mm. um, that's talking about kind of once we were living in darkness but now we're children of the light and so live that way and verse 11 says have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness that it's the evil um, but rather expose them. Um, and so we are to have nothing to do with evil ourselves, but I think there is also a place where we expose evil, where we can call out the evil in society, um, where we can um, uh, expose the sin of our world so that we can then speak the gospel into that situation. We don't want to just call it out and kind of call people evil as if to say, you know, you're in this hopeless situation over here, you're, you're a terrible person no no we want to call out evil for what it is but then with the uh the end goal of putting the gospel in place or sharing the gospel so that we can actually do something about the evil which can only be done by the power of the gospel mm. yeah so there is a sense in which we we do need to speak up on social issues then um it's interesting. I mean, obviously, in our current or you know recent political climate, um, one of the big areas around this has been: um, should Christians speak up around issues like um, same-sex marriage, yeah. um, other various things? Um, and I think there are different um, views on that. Um, yes. From even Christians holding different views, some saying speak up and speak loudly, um, others saying no, no, don't speak about that. Speak about Jesus. Um, don't don't worry about that until they meet Jesus. Um, you know they're not going to kind of pick your battles sort of thing yeah 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 get 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 jesus in place and then they'll be able to think through their sexuality mm. and, I, and i can see a, um i can see some wisdom to that i certainly want to speak up we want to be speaking up loudly on jesus but there is a sense in which um we we still i think have a have a role to play which is to like you said call, call stuff out as th- these things are are righteous and these things are wicked um there's a um a couple of, it's funny if you rewind the clock 
even sort of uh, five, ten years and, and the issue of um, asylum seekers. And, uh, and it was interesting with that issue, um, perhaps a, a slightly more palatable issue to be talking about, Christians were, were all saying, look, we, need to, we have a responsibility to speak up and to call mm. evil evil. Mm. Um, we're not imposing our faith on people. We're saying God hates this and we shouldn't you know, be treating people in this way. Um, yet it's interesting you change the issue to something where um, we're, we're a little bit more out of step with our society yeah. and often and we're, there's an inconsistency within us isn't there that we want to speak up loudly on one issue where, where it's palatable for our world to hear us uh, on another issue perhaps sometimes it's, it's more perhaps fear in the driver's seat rather than um, our kind of consistency is that, is that fair? Oh mate that's fair I mean I, I can see that in my own life mm. <laughs> to be honest there's sometimes I'm happy to speak up because I think it's kind of safer to do mm. other times where I'm less likely because I'm afraid that it's not a safe thing to do mm. um, and I, I don't know what, what what's What's the antidote to that? It's it's to be a God fearer and a God pleaser rather than a, a man fearer and a man pleaser. Yeah. Um, but I think it's also worth saying it, it can be also a question of wisdom, and so mm. we do want to pray for wisdom. When are the right times to speak up? When are the wrong times to speak up? Mm. And I think it's also a question of wisdom in terms of how we speak as well. Absolutely. So, um, again, my mind went to to one Peter chapter three. Um, which is kind of talking about giving the answer for the reason for your hope, but it says to do it always with gentleness and respect. And I think mm. that's the same thing here as we call out various social issues mm. that are evil. Um, we, we want to do it, but we want to do it in a, in a wise way, which would be to do it gently and respectfully mm. and, and pray for wisdom in terms of when to speak, when to be silent, what mm. issues to speak on, what issues not to. Mm. And I think particularly there, I mean, a very practical thing would be um, to be prayerful for those Christians who hold public office in various regards. Oh, so like yes. praying for our Archbishop and praying yes. for those who, who are regularly in the public square Absolutely. Um, speaking on these issues. Um, they often are the ones who are um, you know, in the limelight and, and have um, opportunities to honour the Lord and, and to speak with gentleness and respect. Mm. Um, perhaps more so, often we're kind of, you know, um, consumed with the, the the smaller end discussions, no less important necessarily, but um, yeah, I think that we've got a responsibility to pray for our leaders on this, um, who will speak um, publicly on, on a whole range of, of social issues, and um, yeah, pray for them in that challenging task. That would be a good thing to do, Sam. Mm. All right, Mike, we, we might leave it there for today. Um, uh, give us a quick, before we finish, quick heads up. Uh, this is our last week in Proverbs coming up this Sunday. Wow. Yeah, time flies when you're having fun, doesn't Indeed. it? Indeed. Uh, Proverbs chapter 9 this week. It's the, it's the conclusion to the introduction. Okay. And really all of Proverbs 1 to 9 has all been this gigantic advertisement to say, get wisdom, it's that good, you've mm. just got to get it. And really Proverbs chapter 9 is calling us to make a decision. Okay. Uh, which woman are you going to go for? Wisdom or folly? Uh, which house are you going to rest in? Wisdoms or follies? Which food are you going to eat? Which meal? What menu are you going to choose? Wisdom or folly? It, it's, it's crunch time. It's decision time. Make a choice. Nice. And we're reading some chapters of Proverbs for Night Church uh, to share some Proverbs. We're, we're wrapping it up this week. Isn't this yeah, the last yeah. opportunity to share? Look, just read to the end of Proverbs. For, uh, give us your gold. I've really, really loved uh, That's been that great, hasn't it? It's yeah. been wonderful. Nice. Yeah. 
Fabulous. Okay, well, that, that's good. So, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing you Sunday. Keep sending in your questions. We will continue to do our best to answer them for you. This time next week, we're going to be answering them from the sunny central coast. Uh, we're away for a, a, a clergy conference next uh, next week. So, uh, That'll be fun. We'll come to you live from, from uh, yeah, the central coast. Should be good. <laughs> Terrific. Fantastic. All right, thanks, Mike. Thanks, Sam. Have a great week, everyone. See you later. Bye. Bye.